Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson. And Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. This is a podcast episode I wish we had done sooner because once you truly understand how motivation works, you can harness that power to be your most productive self. So today we're getting a little sciencey and diving into the research behind motivation. But first, let's listen to a TSH from a top teacher. So looking for new podcasts to listen to after Thursdays since I have listened to all of your episodes. Wow. First of all, bless your heart for listening to all of ours. (laughs) Okay. Here are my favorites. I'm going to name podcasts that have nothing to do with powerlifting because I guarantee you none of you care about that. (laughs) So other than powerlifting, the other podcasts I listen to, Stuff You Should Know is one of my favorites. That's a good one. The topics are always super random. So you don't have to listen to all of them, but you can pick and choose the ones that, you know, are interesting to you. Office Ladies is a go-to oh, for me. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love it. And then Bridget and I recently listened to this together, although I say recently, I guess it was a couple months ago. They're still yeah. releasing some episodes. But Your Own Backyard, it's all about the disappearance of Kristen Smart, and that court case just wrapped up. So it's kind of a still pressing, like, thing going on to be able to listen to. Bridget, what are your favorites? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to do some schooly ones and some non-schooly ones. Sold a Story, I know is Mm. one that has been, you know, huge within the literacy community. But y'all, it was like really well done. It wasn't boring. It wasn't a snooze fest. Like I really, really (laughs) enjoyed it. So like Sold a Story was great. Um, I'm very sorry. I listened to a lot of murder podcasts. (laughs) I know. I knew it was coming. I know. So um, True Crime Couple have been a recent new one. Now, I feel like the um, the the lady who's like telling the story, she talks a little bit slow at times. And you're like, mm. girl, come on, go. But I am hooked. Like, I love her storytelling. She's a teacher. So she teaches, I think, high school literacy. Um, and she just does such a great job with like telling the story overall. Mm, so I really nice. enjoy them. Another one that I've just started recently listening to is Scamanda. Oh, I've never heard, of, heard that. of that one. It's about this lady who was scamming everyone saying that she had cancer and she did not have cancer. Oh, okay. I think I've heard of that story. Interesting. Yeah. Just started listening to that. I mean, if you want more like murder podcasts, like hit me up. I got a whole list <laughs> that I'm just going to save you from. But um, yeah, those are probably like some of the ones that are my favorites at the moment. Oh, one other one I will mention, although it's funny because I don't listen to the podcast. I watch the video versions on YouTube, but Diary of a CEO. He does interviews with different like professionals and it's just really interesting. And it's not all like, I know it sounds businessy. The topics are all over the place. I know I've mentioned like the sleep one before. Yeah, that was a really interesting one. Yeah. So Bridget, another question for you. Okay. (laughs) When it comes to motivation, what beliefs have you held about like motivation, how it works like over the years? Like where's your yeah. mindset been? Um, I would say that motivation really comes from within. And in some cases, you can also have like that external motivation that needs some form of reward that helps to keep you going. Um, 
I would say that we all like want results or to be recognized for the work that we've done. So Mm. having that as like an external, but also like that internal motivation, that's kind of where my thoughts have always been. It's interesting you say that because I feel like within education, external rewards are like shamed almost, or like we shouldn't be teaching kids to rely on external motivation. And I just have never agreed with that because there are so many examples in our everyday lives where we rely on external motivation. For example, you go to work because you get a paycheck. I guarantee you, if they stopped giving you a paycheck, you would not keep going to work. (laughs) Your motivation to go to work would plummet. And so a paycheck is a form of like external motivation. And so having rewards and as you mentioned, like recognition, things like that, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And it's interesting because we give external rewards to our students. Can't tell you how many times I gave out candy. Don't judge me. Do not come at me, everyone. Yes, I gave kids candy. (laughs) Dentists did not like me. I did the same thing, and but I what I'm saying is there are some people who think that that's really bad and you I shouldn't know. do that. And I just, to me, I'm like, I don't think that's how the world works. But I will say for the longest time, <laughs> I was part of team, don't rely on motivation, you just need to be disciplined. And yeah. I do still think discipline is a skill and it is a highly important skill to develop. But it's definitely not the only factor. And we're going to get into that in this episode. But I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but just in case I haven't, I think it's an important thing to bring up again. I recently heard this kind of new take on motivation. This comes from a gentleman named Jordan Syatt. He is like a fitness person, but I really like his kind of no nonsense, like, approach, but it's very like realistic at the same time. So he talked about how, if you think about it as a wheel, a lot of people think they need to start with motivation that then leads them to take action that then leads them to getting results, which then leads them back to being motivated. And it continues too many people though, wait for that initial motivation. When in reality, you have to kind of shift that cycle and you want to start with action because that's something fully in your control. You can choose to take action. Once you take action, you then start to get results, which then leads you to motivation, which then leads you to more action. So instead of starting with motivation initially, it's starting with just taking action because that's going to get you the results, which then keeps you motivated. Hmm. So that makes a lot of sense because I didn't start getting really focused on my health and just weight loss. And guys, like I don't share a ton about this. I don't know. I'm super self-conscious about it, but I have gained so much weight just with Hashimoto's and just becoming older in general. Like there's so many things Um, until I had already lost weight. I was making very slight changes Mm. without really like digging deep into, oh, I need to lose weight and I need to do all this. I was making like little small lifestyle changes and didn't give it a second thought until I had realized that I was seeing results. And now I'm even more driven and excited to be able to like continue this like health journey, which by the way, guys, I've lost 25 pounds. What (laughs) in the world? I'm so proud of you. Wild, wild. And then you're going to be coming to visit me in a couple days and we're... Michelle, I can't eat all the food, okay? I don't know know how I'm going to make it. We're going to have to share meals. (laughs) Well, 
I don't know about that. I don't want to do that. No, no, no. It's fine. We will find a good middle ground where we can enjoy the experiences and treat ourselves, but not like fully gorge. It'll be fine. But I think what you were describing is exactly it. We've all had these experiences where we have found that to be true. And there are times where I literally remind myself, like, Michelle, just take some action because I know that that will then increase my motivation. But the theory behind this episode actually comes from self-determination theory. So I heard about this on a podcast and it's one of those things that I guess I had heard about before, but I had never really like dove into. So I've been reading up a lot more on the research. And then it's funny because I was reading a book and it came up in that book and I was like, it's a sign. So we are going to dive into self-determination theory around motivation in today's episode. We're going to give you kind of an overview of it. And then we're also going to jump into each of the components and talk about what it means and give you some examples for both the classroom as well as like your personal life. So let's talk about an overview of this self-determination theory. And this represents a really broad framework for the study of human motivation. It defined intrinsic and varied extrinsic sources of motivation. And it was something that was developed by psychologists Richard Ryan and Edward D.C.? That's how I would have said it. (laughs) Okay, in 1985. I do apologize if I said that wrong. It is D-E-C-I if you choose to look this up. Now listen, we're not gonna bore you with all the details, but if you want to learn more about this, just Google self-determination theory. It is very, very fascinating. So what we're gonna do is break down the three sources of motivation, which are autonomy, competence, and relatedness. And holy moly, When you think about the connections, this is what we need to really help drive that engagement in our students. So not only can this apply to just us, but it can also apply to our students. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, Michelle is going to kick us off with one of the first sources of motivation. Listen, we know back to school is hectic as all get out, and we want to help take some of the stress off your plate. So rapid fire, Bridget, what are some things you know are stressful at the beginning of the year? Oh, okay. Um, getting all the to-dos done before the start of the school year. Check. Our digital planner has a beginning of the year checklist already made. Planning the first week of school. Also check. Our digital planner has weekly planning pages already dated. What about creating a unit plan for the first unit? Also, check. We have unit planning inserts that fit in all of our digital planners. Oh, gosh. Having to retrain your bladder so that you're not going to the bathroom at all times of the day. Okay, our planner can't help with that, (laughs) but there are a ton more features that can help ease your stress during this busy time. And if you want to grab a digital planner for yourself, head over to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store where you can browse all the formats that we have available. While you're there, you can also grab some reusable digital stickers and planner inserts to use not only this year, but every year in the future. Now back to the episode. We're back. And as we dive into each of these three different areas, I want you to just think about if you are lacking motivation in a certain area of your life, whether it's 
you know, health or fitness related, or you're lacking motivation with getting your lesson planning done, or you're lacking motivation with completing required trainings at the beginning of the year. Listen, I don't know what to tell you about those. You just got to bear through it. But as we go through these areas, I want you to think about if that area is impacting your motivation and what you could do to improve it. So we're going to jump into the first one, which is autonomy. Basically, people need to feel in control of their own life. So their behaviors, their goals, they want to be able to feel like they have choice because that makes us as human beings feel trusted. And a lot of times that kind of stubbornness can come out and we like lack motivation when we feel forced to do something and it's not our choice. So if you are not feeling motivated with something, think about is it because you feel obligated to do it and it isn't by choice? And if so, think about what is in your control that you do have autonomy over. So I didn't even have this within our outline, but it just came to mind. I mentioned those like back to school safety trainings, mm-hmm. like the bloodborne pathogens and all of those things that you have to do Child every abuse. year. Yeah. Oh, you're like, I Sexual know all of this. <laughs> yes. So that's something that I think very few teachers feel motivated to do. And part of it is probably because of that obligation, like they are required to do it. So even though you don't have the choice of whether to do it or not, Maybe you do have a choice as to when you do it. So you have like a window of time and you could choose to do it at the beginning or the end. You also have a choice as to where you do it. So can you like snuggle up on your couch and get the trainings done? You know what I mean? Like you can take control. So it's almost like switching your mindset around the autonomy or for that specific task. Yeah, I think so. But here are a few other examples like within the classroom. And specifically like ways that you can increase motivation within your students. So maybe giving them flexibility within their working environment. So allowing them to work on the floor with a clipboard, or maybe you have flexible seating options. Maybe you provide them with flexibility in grouping. So allowing them to work by themselves or choose a partner or work in a group of three, or maybe you tell them, Hey, I want you to work with a partner, but you can choose your partner or I want you to work with a partner. I'm choosing your partner for you, but you get to choose where you work. You know what I mean? Like you can just kind of experiment with some different options. And I will say, I think it's helpful for students if you explain why or like provide a rationale for why certain rules exist, because there may be rules within your school, for example, that maybe you don't even agree with that your students have to follow. And so really explaining to them, hey, I know we don't have a choice about this, but here's why this exists. That can help with the motivation piece. So for example, running in the hallway, not that that's something I disagree with. I fully support not running in the hallway, but explaining to students the safety aspects and why it's important to have that rule. Then moving on to some examples for us, just kind of personally, maybe you don't have flexibility within like your schedule and you have certain responsibilities, but you do get to choose certain goals that you work toward. And we all do have little bits of free time. The amount is different, but what we do with that free time can be very, very different. So planning out those parts of your schedule that you can control, spending time like studying what you love. And so maybe you want to go back to school or even just spend free time like reading books or reading articles and you get to choose that topic rather than feeling 
forced to do it for some specific reason. And then ultimately choosing what you say yes to and what you say no to. That's easier said than done. But remembering at the end of the day, you do have a choice to say no to things. So the next source of motivation is going to be competence. And this is the ability to really understand and acquire a variety of skill sets. So people need to gain mastery of tasks and learn different skills. And when people feel that they have the skills needed for success, they're more likely to take action that will help them achieve their goals. So when they have an ability to perform tasks that are more able to interact effectively within their own environment. So basically, a competent person feels a sense of mastery over their environment. If the tasks are too challenging or a person receives negative feedback, then their feelings of of competence is going to decrease. So when we think about motivation and how it relates to competence, think about whether you have confidence and mastery of various skill sets to increase that motivation. And so if we're looking at the classroom itself, you want to think of, you know, do you have clear understanding of expectations? When we don't have those expectations that are outlined by whether it's administrators or the school districts, we don't feel as though we are competent in really making sure that we're delivering all the information in the correct progression, right? We all get super irritated and aggravated and we're like, well, we don't want to do this because you don't have those clear expectations. You don't have the competence in that area. You also want to think about developing a deeper understanding around your grade level and curriculum standards. Again, this is competence. Are you competent in really helping students to look at that standard and be able to master it themselves? When you have a very clear understanding of the standards and the expectations for your grade level, then you're going to feel more confident in assisting those students who are maybe challenged with it or they're not quickly understanding something. And so you're able to then develop a uh, a progression or a way of accommodating those students in into helping them understand their content material. You also want to feel confident in your understanding your curriculum progression. So again, this goes back to just having those clear expectations. When you have a very clear progression and you know exactly what you should be working on and when you should be working on it, that motivation is going to increase for you. Imagine having that progression already laid out for you when you go to sit down and do your lesson plans. You're going to feel competent that you know exactly what you should be planning for and the lessons that you should be developing because you already have this progression laid out. And then also looking at just defining the structures and systems to make a classroom just operate efficiently. This goes again with that competence of you know exactly what you should be doing. You have a mastery over these skills and those routines. So you come in and it's just like rote memory, right? It's just happening for you. You don't even need to think about it. I always make the connection to There were days where I was driving to school and I don't even remember leaving the house and somehow I made it to school. I was really tired those days, but that's the same idea. You are very competent. You have that mastery in that skill to be able to run those structures and those routines really efficiently. 
And then just looking at some things for us just personally, having very clear organizational systems that are already set up and being competent in having that mastery and, oh, I'm going to maintain these organizations, uh, systems that I've set up at home because I know exactly where my keys are go or where exactly where my badge is going to go so that you're not spending that morning trying to look for things and find out where everything is. You already have it nailed down to where you can pick it up and just go. Developing plans just to follow. So for example, meal prepping, recipes, any of those that you could just pick up and you know them like the back of your hand and you could just go ahead and create them with whatever ingredients that you have inside of your kitchen. It's because you've mastered that skill at creating that specific meal. And so you don't really have to think about it. That motivation is not there because you're like, oh, you want me to make you, you know, egg in a hole. Perfect. I can do that in like five minutes. Not a big deal. Whereas somebody tells you to make you like, fresh lasagna and you're like, whoa, okay, I don't know if I can do that. That's going to take way too much time. Your motivation is going to plummet for that. And then creating some routines that will help you just help set you up for success. Going back to those organizations uh, systems. If you have the routines for it, you know, again, exactly what the expectations are. You know what you need to be doing and it's going to increase your motivation so that you follow through with it. And then spending just time reading and researching. If we are really opened up to this idea of just retaining information and learning from not just other education professions, but other professions in general, you're able to then bring in a form of competence and understanding into education that's really going to help students make connections to the outside world, which is really important. So try to find a way to, I know this sounds cliche, but be that lifelong learner so that you're always developing more competence and mastering additional skills in life. It's interesting because reviewing these three areas, and we'll come to the third one in just a second, What, but competence, I think, is the biggest one that affects my motivation because I am one of those people that if I don't think I'm good at something, I just don't want to do it at all. Like I really struggle with the perfectionist side of me, like wanting to be the best. And so yeah. I was thinking about, for example, with the gym, I rarely lack motivation for the gym because it is something that I love. But there are days where I don't want to go do my training session. And when it boils down to it, it's because there's something programmed for me that day, like a lift that either I don't feel comfortable doing, like I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure the right form, or it's like a really heavy lift and I doubt if I'm you know strong enough to do it. And so it's that competence. And it's funny you mentioned having just like those systems and plans that you can kind of follow, like those routines, because having like a set routine that I do before I go to the gym and like how I warm up, that would get me there. And then once I had done that routine, it was like, okay, I just have to do the next step. And it feels much more like doable and it kind of increases your confidence going into it. So that third and final area is relatedness. Basically, people want to feel connected and they need that sense of belonging with others. And as a result, people want to do things or are motivated to do things that will help them fit in. And you've probably found where you you tend to take on the mannerisms of the people around you. They always say like you're the combination of, you know, this many people that you spend time with and this many people that you follow online, so on and so forth. But keep in mind, this can affect us positively or negatively. So if you're around 
people who are really good at the thing that you're wanting to do, like that can have a positive impact on you. But on the negative side, maybe you find yourself not wanting to get work done because your team teachers all like to Mm -hmm. chat during collaborative planning and you want to fit in. You don't want to be the one who's like, hey guys, can we get going? So if you are lacking motivation, is it because maybe you feel out of place or isolated? And then what can you do to improve that? So for example, if you are not motivated to work out, is it because you don't feel comfortable in the gym? Like maybe you don't identify yet as someone that lifts weights or or works out. And so as a result, you feel very isolated when you're in there. Or if you're lacking motivation to go to school, maybe do you not feel like you're really a part of like your team? And so every day when you go to school, you feel like you're kind of the odd one out and you don't feel like you really have those close connections and find ways to make that better. I do want to give some examples for the classroom, like with our students. So keeping in mind, how can we foster that relatedness within our students? So first and duh, right? Create an inclusive and safe classroom environment. Like we hear that all the time, but really keeping in mind that that then has an impact on students' motivation, even around like schoolwork and things like that. If they don't feel like they fit in in the class or they don't feel safe within the class, that's going to hinder their ability to get work done. Think about ways you can bring your class together. So I know one year, at the beginning of the year, we had like a class hashtag. And so it was like hashtag fourth with Foray because my last name was still Foray at the time. And that was like just kind of a class bonding thing. And they would put it like on their papers and whatnot. You could also make a set of like keychains. You can buy keychains in bulk on like Amazon and they just pop open and you can put like a little picture or something that you print out on the inside. So you could create a set of like class keychains and give it to them at the beginning of the year. Maybe you have like a class color. So when we were departmentalized in fourth grade, each homeroom class had a different color that they would highlight their name and it made it easier for us to like hand back papers. But maybe like once a month, your students all like wear that color and it's a way just to kind of all come together. You can also implement like class cheers for your students. So when students are doing a great job, it's a way for not only you to recognize them, but also for their peers to recognize them. So some of my favorites favorites would be Pat the Burger. So you kind of take your hands as if you're patting like a burger patty and I would say pat the burger and they would pat it and then they would stick their hand out and go as if it's like on the grill. And I would ask the class, is it done yet? And they go, no. And then they put it back on the grill and they let it sizzle a little more. And I'd ask them again, is it done yet? And they go, it's well done. And it's just as adorable as it sounds. Yeah, it's cute. (laughs) Um, And then try to avoid and I'm saying this to myself, too much competitiveness because that can sometimes impact students negatively and I need to do a better job of that. And then be on the lookout for like clicks among students, especially in the higher grade levels. That's when they really start to form. And then you could also do something like a spotlight student where each week or maybe each month you have a a certain number of students that you're spotlighting in some way. So when I was teaching reading in fourth grade, I had students at the beginning of the year fill out this like all about me page. I collected them and each week I would choose one student and display their all about me page in the classroom. And during that week, the rest of the class would write them letters. So they would have to go up and learn about that student and write them a letter to be like, hey, I saw that you play soccer. I also play soccer. And it was a way for them to get to know each other. 
But at the end of the week, I would take all of those letters and give it to that spotlight student. So it became something that they got to like kind of keep and and treasure afterward. Now some examples for us personally. So like outside of just us with our students. First of all, making sure you have time to bond with like your new coworkers or team members. It makes me think about with my fourth grade team, we would do like happy hours. About once a month, we would like meet up at a restaurant and do a happy hour. Now, I don't drink, but I'm you put an appetizer in front of me, I'm game. I will come. <laughs> but I also did this back when I was in high school. I was the team captain for cross country and track, and I would host like spaghetti dinners at the beginning of the season when the team was new and they would all come over and we would like carb load with spaghetti. And one year we even like decorated our water jug and it was like a cool bonding experience. Make sure you are surrounding yourself with people that have similar goals. So I think about when I switched gyms, I went to a powerlifting gym and I knew that like most of the people in there also compete in powerlifting and it's just very empowering (laughs) to be surrounded by those people whenever I go in. Make sure you establish some sort of a network of connections, both like personally, so like your friends and family, but also professional connections as well. And those can be people you meet at conferences, people you come across online. Just make sure you're always trying to find those people that you know are going to have that connected, like related things in common bond with you. Focus on the bigger picture of how your actions can benefit your community or those around you. I think that's a really great way to feel that sense of belonging, like completing some kind of a like service project or just, you know, if you're walking down the street and you see trash, picking it up because you know it's going to benefit your community, like just little things like that. And then maybe finding some kind of a way to complete like a collaborative project. I know at our school, we did these like paintings on the wall and we would do these like garden projects and stuff outside. But then maybe even at like a family event, you can do some kind of a like bonding, you know, everyone does handprints or whatever it is. You know, it's so interesting that as we've gone through the three different forms of motivation, you mentioned that the one that you struggle with the most is going to be competence. Mm -hmm. And I find that I'm a little bit of the relatedness and also the autonomy. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to do what I want to do and when I want to do it based on how I'm feeling, because we all know that I'm an Enneagram 4. I'm very much all about the feels. And if I don't feel like doing it, I don't want to do it. And that's kind of that autonomy component. And I think with the relatedness piece, I struggle with putting, doing things that um, I don't feel as though are going to relate to other people. Like they're not going to like it, or it's not going to help me fit in with the other crowd. And so I, I think of Instagram immediately when I think of this, right? Like I have that fear of putting things on Instagram because it's not like what everybody else is doing. And it's, it, I feel like I stand out like a sore thumb. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And it's interesting, of course, we're like opposites on this, you know, and <laughs> it, it just, it ties in so much to our personality. And it's funny because with the autonomy, I mean, obviously I want choice in things, but I'm also like, I don't, I don't struggle with like, okay, if I need to do this, you tell me I need to do it fine. I'll just do yeah. it. And then the relatedness, I think I'm just so much of a loner that I'm like, I don't, care. I don't thrive off of, of connections with other people. I probably should do more of that. I just, I don't need a lot of that to fill my cup. You know what I mean? No, I do. And 
but it's so interesting that like those different areas, yeah. it, it very much fits us and our personalities. I find myself like after we've talked about this, I'm like, okay, what am I struggling when it comes to my motivation? Is it because I'm not feeling competent in this or is it just because I don't have autonomy with it? So it's, it's very fascinating how now that you have this understanding of what motivation is, you're going to start pinpointing like what areas are mm -hmm. like the sources that you're struggling with to help bring about that motivation. Yeah. Um, but again, there's just so much more to it than what we've just given you here. This was kind of a quick overview of what it is. And if you're interested in this, we highly recommend that you go out and you do your own research and look into it a little bit more because it's, it's very fascinating stuff. And while you're online researching, why not stop at our website, teachingonthedouble.com and just check out some of the things that we have going on. We know we have the digital planners and stickers, and we also have inserts that are available for you especially with this upcoming school year. And we would also just like to know what your TSH is. What is your time-sucking hurdle? What is just sucking up all of that time? Is it that you're just having too much fun decorating your bulletin boards? Because that's a quite a possibility at this moment. But you can leave that there um, on our website just by clicking on the TSH right up at the very top. And if you are not subscribed to the podcast, what are you waiting for? Why are you not subscribed? Make sure to go ahead and click that subscribe button. It just notifies you whenever we drop a new episode on Thursday mornings. And if you are an Apple podcast listener, we would love for you to leave a review over on iTunes. It really does help us get into the ears of so many other teachers out there. We enjoy reading them. We like to hear your feedback from it. So until next time. Be timely. Stay organized. And be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.